I have I have so many words over Dallas because um, my first assignment is to this city. And I've been called as a mother over this city to give birth to something that belongs in this city. That is, that is a spiritual promise uh, that God has had over Dallas from the very beginning. You know, Ruth Ward Heflin, she had an encounter with the Lord uh, back in, uh, I believe it was the 80s. And, um, and she wrote in her book, uh, glory that she was in Jerusalem and she saw a worldwide revival fire uh, that was spreading fire that was spreading all over the world. She saw a map of the whole world and she said the epicenter and the beginning of it was Dallas, Texas. All right, and and there have been word after word after word, and I don't want to be selfish. I mean, God bless all the other cities in America and the world, but come on, somebody's got to give birth, right? And 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 that's a blessing and it's a curse because when you're carrying a big old fat monster baby, it's hard. It's almost like you got to have a C-section to get that thing on the ground, right? Women, you know what I'm talking about. You're like, okay, it's an eleven pounder. Uh, anyway, um, anyway, not to get too graphic. Praise you, Lord. So anyway, so what it's taken is it's taken a whole community of of the prophetic to give birth to this because you give birth through words. Words, uh, what they do is they begin to like a they midwife the promise. And so the words of the prophet come in and they speak to the body of Christ that's, a, that's, that's uh, feeling the movement of the baby beginning to, to crown and beginning to come. And, and, and I believe that, um, that God has moved so many prophets into this area because everybody collectively has a part to play in making sure that the baby gets on the ground right? And then the Lord's been sending international prophets. And I've noticed this year that all of the prophets are coming in and they have the same word and they're beginning to say the same thing. And so all of the stars are aligning over this city. And the word is that the baby, the season of the baby is here. The season of the birthing is here. And the things that we've labored for and how we've been digging this word well in prayer and intercession, not falling in our hearts for 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 uh, the waiting. You know, we're not failing in our hearts in the in the waiting. And and a lot of us, I don't know about you, but a lot of us are, are crossing that finish line. You know, on their bellies. You know, doing the belly crawl, going, "Oh Lord, thank you, praise you." It's really been a long time that we've been holding on to these promises, and. Uh, but uh, but uh, but the Lord is creating um, the He's creating the birth. He's he, it's Him. You know when when you're a woman and you go into labor, you don't have to do anything. It's just all of a sudden your body starts to contract, and I believe that's what's happening. That the body of Christ is actually coming together. And they're beginning to hear the movement and the birth. And so they're beginning to come together. And when the body begins to come together, it actually creates the pushing. And it's a natural thing. It's not it's supernatural. It's not something that you have to try to do. But there is coming a time when he's going to say, push, push. 
And I believe that towards the end of this year, we're really collectively going to have to, with one sound and one voice, begin to really come together and, and, and begin to push. And so the words that we've gotten behind the scenes from David Wagner and from others is that you cannot get lazy and you can't get hijacked from, by the holidays. You can't let Thanksgiving and Christmas and baby Jesus steal the, the pressing and the pushing of what God's called us to do in this season. Now, I say all of that, and I'm going to talk in, in a minute about um, just uh, biblically some of our, the fathers of the faith, how, how they functioned in the season of the fulfillment of the promise. Um, uh, but I really do feel like that we have a part to play right now, and it's, it's to be watchful, mindful, and, and ready um, for, for the birthing. Amen? Um, David Wagner told us, and, and he mentioned it uh, when he was a uh, video uh, blog, uh, what was it, Skyping, thank you, um, all this technical stuff. We had a technical guy here with cameras, and he was talking about the web and the Skyping and all of this technical terms about how to get all of this to work, and I'm not kidding you. I was just like, uh, this is above my pay grade, and I don't know what you're talking about right now. And he just kept talking, and I was like, God bless you. I have to go. <laughs> yeah, he was really brilliant. Uh, David did a great job. His name's David. He has his own ministry, and he does this uh, for a living. Praise God. Um, anyway, David Wagner told us behind the scenes that his, his spiritual dad went home to be with the Lord this year. And um, right before he died, uh, he died. And then he came back with a message. And then he died for real. <clears throat> he was just mostly dead the first time. Just kidding. <laughs> Princess Bride quote. <laughs> Sorry. Um, um, <clears throat> so what he said when he came back after the first time that he died, he said, um, there's coming an outpouring and it's going to hit five cities. And Dallas is, is going to be key. And um, key. It's going to be key. What does a key do? Opens up the door. And, um, you know, I think if you look at everything where the enemy has tried to steal from Dallas, the list is so incredibly long. You know, we've got, oh, wait, abortion came out of Dallas. Thanks for that one. Then you had, um, even out of Texas, the sodomy bill that went all the way to the Supreme Court came out of Texas. And then you have what's going on in Texas with the pastors. You have a mayor in our conservative Bible Belt state that said, oh, by the way, um, religious freedom, forget about that. I want all of your sermons. Then we've got Ebola. When I heard that Ebola um, was here in America, and the first city that it landed in, they called it Ground Zero, <laughs> was Dallas. I thought, you know, this is really, in, this is just insane. And then the whole issue with the border and all of the terrorism and everything, it was like, you know, um, it reminds me of what happened uh, back when Moses was being born. 
the promise was coming. And so, and when Jesus was being born, you know, the promise is coming. And so what the enemy wants to do is he wants to go in and wipe out any hope that the promise is real and that the word of God is true. And so everything the opposite of the promise, which is when this thing hits, it's going to go all the way into the government arena. It's going to go all the way to the Supreme Court. There will be no abortion in America. We will have, and out of this place will come a culture of life. Out of this place, no disease or sickness will be able to stand before the sons of God. Out of this place will come um, no terrorism. I had a, I had a vision um, years ago where I was... Um, I was on a plane, and um, there was a terrorist that came, and he had a gun, and he was pointing it right at me, and I was standing in the aisle, and all of a sudden, I looked down, and I, there was a lion right next to me, and when I put my hand on the lion, out of my mouth came this huge roar, and I said to the man, your bullets will not work in front of me and he tried to shoot me and he tried to kill me but literally his gun quit working you know we're not going to use weapons of this world but we're going to use weapons that are supernatural to thwart the plans of the enemy and the intercessors will rule the day of trouble amen Amen. all right so um turn in your bibles to where do i want to go um genesis 15 because I want to talk to you about the promise and what happened um, and staying in the timing of the Lord. And when the timing of the promise and the fulfillment of the promise happens, how then shall we live, right? Um, so God establishes a covenant with Abram. Um, and, and he says to him, listen, I am going to give you um, the nations, and, and you are going to, um, you are out of your loins is going to come children that are as vast as the stars in the sky and the sands of the sea. And I want you to leave your home. I want you to leave the things that you have become so accustomed to and the traditions of your father and I want you to go into the promised land and the promised land I talked a little bit about this yesterday the promised land was called Ur you are okay the promised land and he's like well how will I know it and he said you just you're gonna know it you're gonna know that you know And I feel like that the promises that we've received from the Lord over the past, some of us, 20, 30 years, it's like we've been told to leave our father's house and we've been walking, looking for the land of Ur. And we're like, uh, and he's like, you're going to know it. And it's like, how will I know? And there's not really a huge definition on it. And, And what David Wagner said, he said this, um, when he said, go there. There was no definition to there. It was just there. What is it going to look like? Well, you've never seen it before. Because it's a city 
that's in heaven that's coming to the earth. How then will you know if it's never been seen on the earth before? And that's the promise of what's coming is that it's never been seen before. And so when we look around the earth, we can't define it. And so trying to put boundaries on it or trying to define it is truly foolishness. Because what we're doing when we do that is we're functioning like Saul did King Saul, when he was trying to please the people and they were like, give us our, what we need because we need boundaries. We need definition because we don't trust the Lord enough to function in the realm of not understanding what the new thing is going to look like right? And so it's, we have to be very careful of, of just saying, uh, and this is something I've had to walk this through, and it's been the hardest part of, of following God, is the unknown, is, is walking in the area of people saying, well, what's, because the promise was you're going to rebuild the temple. That was what God said, I want you to do. And everybody's like trying to put definition to that. Is it going to look like IHOP? Is it going to look like Bethel? Is it going to look like Morningstar? Is it going to look like, I mean, they have, I mean, genuinely, they want the franchised look so that they know what they're going to be getting. But what if God is saying, I'm birthing something that's never been seen before, just like Jeremy's song. It's something that we've never seen before. And so he's looking for a company of people that are willing to be pioneers. They're willing to go out into the new place and establish something new. And, and, and I, God bless the, um, the settlers but that's not who we are in this house. We are a prophetic house that are going out and we're pulling down what's new. We're going out to get the people, bring them into the house and say, listen, we have a whole new table that has been set by God. It's food that you've never eaten before. It's, it's sauce that has never been poured over that ribeye before, right? And, 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 you know, you thought you liked hollandaise. Wait till you taste this heavenly gravy that God is pouring out. And so it's like, it's like a whole new flavor of God, a whole new aspect. And it's been reserved for the end time move of God because he was like, no, 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 you don't understand. You got, you've seen aspects of it, but you've never seen the fullness of it. You've never seen the coming together of all of the attributes of God. And what David Wagner said to us is you are going to have and experience the essence of God. And um, it was, um, was it John G. Lake? Yeah, the uh, triune salvation. He wrote this um, 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 sermon, the triune salvation. I really encourage you to go get it. The Lord told us uh, about uh, 12 years ago, he said the three are coming together as one. And I thought, huh, that didn't make any sense because I'm pretty sure the three are one, you know. And he said the three are coming together as one. And then he said, did you think I wouldn't give this to you? And I thought, I don't even know what you're talking about, which is usually my answer to the Lord. (laughs) what? <laughs> and he's like, somebody send an angel down there. Uh, so he said that they are coming together as one. And we said, well, uh, okay. Um, and, and what it is, is it's a, it's a John 17. 
It's John 17 where uh, Jesus said it was his last prayer for those of us who would be on the earth. And, and we wouldn't actually get to walk with him on the earth, but we would get to walk with him on the earth. And there's a coming together of the unity of the faith, which I talked about yesterday. Uh, for those of you that were here, there's coming together. And, and the Lord told me that we passed the until line in the sand in Ephesians 4 where we've passed over, you know, I'll give you the fivefold ministry until, and, and so we passed through this in September, and we crossed over the until uh, moment where there's actually a, like a, like a, like a coming together, and those of us that will have not just the power of God, but will actually have the essence of God. And so we're going to, and, and what John G. Lake said when he, when he had this revelation about the triune salvation, um, he had it after he fasted for nine months. And, um, and he said, there's something more. And you know there's something more. Not just the promise for, for the destiny and the calling on your life, but you know there's something more in God. And those of us who have given ourselves and we've left our father's house and we've sought after and we've gone on the journey to seek out the more in God, we know because we felt it in our, in our innermost being that there is something more in God for us. And, and if, if that were not true for you, you wouldn't feel the stirring of the something more. Because whatever is seated in and promised by God, you begin to hunger after that. And you know that you know that you know that it's coming and it's for your generation. And so there's been, the, there's been a laying down of this generation of the things of the culture of this age. Which is incredible to me because we live in the age that is the busiest age that steals the time and the hearts and the minds of the people of God. And, and, it, and, and I, I just find it incredible that the Lord is like uh, <laughs> it, it, Satan in, in the most, uh, 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 the, the, the uh, environment, the most satanic environment, the most evil environment, the most per, uh, promiscuous environment where you have brought about um, iPhones and Facebook and everything to steal the hearts and the minds of my people. Watch what I'm going to do. In that environment, my bride is going to deny all of the busyness of the world and they're going to give themselves to me. Amen? So um, so uh, we're, we've crossed over the until. Water. Living water. <laughs> you will never thirst again. Praise the Lord. Okay, hold on. I hate when, when, when we, you know, people chug and they still got the microphone up there and you're like, gong, gong. Anyway. Uh, so where was I? Yes. Yes, thank you. Um, yes, denying everything. Y'all are really listening. I am so impressed with you right now. <clears throat> so something that the Lord told me about, um, about the time that we're in, because I was so curious. I was like, show me in your word where a father of faith has um, 
come into a promise like where's there's been a there's been a, a the original breaking in of the word and then there's been a second breaking in of the word and where the promise was fulfilled i want to see that in your word and he took me to abraham and and where abraham got the word and he was he was on his journey and um he and sarah knew that the word was coming and that 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 Abraham was going to be the father of nations. And so Sarah, in her, um, honestly, her impatience, she said, I'm, I'm going to administrate this. I'm going to help God. And uh, so um, she gives uh, Haggai to Abraham and her servant, and um, along comes Ishmael, right? And... Um, so Abraham or Abram now has his son Ishmael, and um, then God breaks in a second time with the same promise. And Abram's thinking to himself, "Yes, that's right, Ishmael." And um, so turn to um, um, Genesis seventeen, and and um, here's the promise seventeen six. I will. God says to to um, Abram, He said. Um, I will make you exceedingly fruitful, and I will make nations of you, and kings shall come from you. And then, um, so Abram then goes in, and he talks about um, Ishmael, and he says, yes, that's right, through Ishmael. And the Lord said, no, the promise is going to come through Sarah. The promise was always for Sarah. And for many of us, um, something that I talked about yesterday, I feel like we've been carrying the promise and we feel like Sarah, like we see, um, and you know how Sarah felt about um, Haggai. I mean, she saw she that, 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 that she gave birth to, to the promise or what she thought was the promise. And so years go by. Where she's thinking, 13 years, 12, 13 years, 13 years go by, where she's looking at him grow and the the relationship between Abram and, and this child of promise or what she presumes is a child of promise. And think about her heart and how her heart is just so sad that it's not her. And I just feel like that's the way we've all felt. Like we felt like even others, we've seen others, the fulfillment of the promise in others, and we're like, yay, I'm happy for you. And I think a lot of that is just the Lord working out in us, you know, that self-sufficiency and that place in us where, you know, we were trying to do it in our own strength. We are trying to administrate the promise. And really, that's what Sarah was trying to do. And she was trying to administrate the promise of God. And God's saying, I'm not going to let you help. And, you know, it reminds me of, you know, if I'm a parent and I have all the money in the world and I want to go out and I want to buy my son a new car, he's 16. 
And my son is working, 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 working to buy himself a car. But I, I, the promise is that I want to buy him a car. I want to give him something that's a gift from, from a father to a son. And in that, there's going to be a great transfer of inheritance. I want that to bless him. I want that to encourage him. It could be anything, you know, a college education. And then my son, if my son is going around trying to make this happen for himself and goes out and buys a car that's so much less than the car I wanted to get him. And as a father, I'm like, no, 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 you don't understand that I have the highest of heights for you. I have, this is going to be, this is going to be a supernatural expression of my love for you. It's not going to be something, if you could do it on your own, then it wouldn't be me. It wouldn't be in the realm of the impossible. It wouldn't be me providing for you, me building your house, me coming in and taking care of my children. See what I'm saying? And so um, the second time when he, when he shows up, he says this. Um, in verse 16, he talks about Sarah. He said, and I will bless her also, and I will give you a son by her. And I will bless her, and she shall be a mother of nations, plural. Kings of peoples shall be from her. Now, here's what he said about Ishmael. And I want you to hear this because what happens is when you go in to try to administrate the promises of God and you try to get in the middle of it out of pressure from people to define what it is, or to be something that God never called you to be, or for the promise to be something that God never intended it to be, what happens is that you give birth to an Ishmael. And this is what he said about Ishmael in um, chapter 16, verse 11. He said, behold, you are with child. And he talks to um, Haggai. You shall bear a son. You shall call his name Ishmael because the Lord has heard your affliction. He shall be a wild man and his hand shall be against every man and every man's hand against him. And he shall dwell in the presence of his brethren. He's talking about the Arabs. This is where the Arabs, the seed of the Arabs came from Ishmael and the seed of the Jews came from Isaac. The promise of God came from Isaac and the Jews out of the loins of of Abraham. Now, because Sarah wanted to help and administrate the promise, we have Ishmael who it says that he will be a wild man. His hand will be against every man. I mean, you look at the Arabs and how they fight amongst themselves and they fight amongst the Jews and they want to kill the Christians. There is a warring in them. Why? Because God seeded it in. It's in their DNA. Isn't that incredible? And it says this here also about Ishmael in, in chapter 17, verse 20. It says, Behold, I have blessed him and will make him fruitful and multiply him exceedingly. He shall beget beget 12 princes and I will make him a great nation. Why do they want a caliphate? Because it's in their DNA. Because God spoke it out and they know that it is their inheritance to have a nation. That's why you have them trying to get to this and trying to establish something because God spoke it out. And they are going to war amongst themselves. And so that's why generationally you've seen them trying to have a caliphate. They've been trying to have a caliphate from, from day one. 
This isn't anything new that's upon us. This is something they've been doing from the beginning. And until they know Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior, they will never truly be established and be reconciled to God. Amen? So we really need to be praying for them. Um, so, so what God did, the promise came over your lives. And the promise that came was impossible. It was impossible for you to fulfill. And, and, and he did the same thing with Joseph when he went to Joseph and who was uh, God's favorite. I mean, who was Jacob's favorite. And, and so Jacob makes him a coat of many colors, right? And he's like, hey, you're kind of my favorite. Not a good idea if you're a parent to favor a child because it, it creates all kinds of hardship. And so obviously, I, I think he was really kind of spoiled among his brothers. So it was his fa- he was his father's you know, favorite, the apple of his eye. And then he has this prophetic dream. So the prophecy comes, and what does he do with the prophecy? He, he, he tells his brothers about the prophetic word. He tells the very people that he's going to be leading and who are going to be bowing down to him, that, that they're going to bow down to him. Now, you can see the family dysfunction in this whole scenario and, and how this is going to go for him. Quite frankly, I probably would have thrown him in the pit as well. I'd have been like, punt. Yeah, thanks a lot, dude, for that. You know, you know, dad loves you more. And now you're going to tell me that I'm going to bow to you? I mean, it's just not going to go well for him. And so he also... Um, just like Abram, spent time in the tearing of the word, in the waiting on the word, so that the word could actually be established in him. Because the only way to establish the truth of the word and the prophetic of the word is in the waiting. Because God's going to look at you and he's going to say, are you going to believe what I said? Or are you going to believe what's going on in your life, which is everything the opposite of what I said? And it's the same thing over Dallas. Are you going to believe the word of God and everything that's been spoken over this city? Are you going to believe what's happening in the natural? Because the word of God is yes and amen. And he's looking for the pioneers who will keep the word alive and say, I believe even though I I do not see. Amen? So the third was Moses, who, of course, the promise um, and the prophetic word is that there was going to be a great deliverer. And um, as Moses was pulled up out of the water, he was actually positioned in the natural to be that great deliverer because he already had the influence and he had the potential to really be able to save his people. And so what he did is he, again, took matters into his own hand and his own strength, and he tried to bring about the promise by um, killing an Egyptian who was uh, beating some uh, a Jewish a boy, a Jewish man. And so, so what he did is he's like, I'm going to be the savior. I'm going to save them. And so he went about in his own strength. And what happened is he ended up getting chased into the wilderness. And of course the promise didn't come until the promise looked like it was dead. Isn't that interesting? So when the, when it looks like there's no way and, and you give up like almost all hope of, of the promise showing up, that's when the promise comes because you're like, I just, I, I just don't see how this is going to happen. You know, every opportunity and we look at every way that it could possibly happen in our own minds. And we, we land our hope on that. And God's like, nope, you can go down that road, but I'm telling you my promise 
lands on the land of rest. My promise lands on a place of rest. And when you have finally surrendered all of your self-sufficiency and trying to make this happen in your own strength, and you finally go, all right, I'm done. I'm done. That's when the dove shows up. 